welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 6th of May 2012, entitled Traversing the Thorns, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Second Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read the first 10 verses. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word. Beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, the word of God says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether Out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for man to utter. Of such an one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh." the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Father, thank you again this evening for the time that you have so graciously allowed us together. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you have preserved for us right down through the centuries. Thank you this evening that because that we belong to you, that we know that, Lord, that Holy Spirit that lives within us, that has sealed us until that day of redemption. Lord, I pray that you would use him this evening to make these words alive into our hearts. Lord, you know the need of every individual here this evening every individual that may eventually even listen to this over the internet or whatever, you know the needs, Lord, and we pray that you can do what is beyond man, that you will take your word, that you will speak to hearts, that you will change lives, and, Lord, that even here this evening, Lord, that we can leave this place more like our Savior than when we entered. For it's in his name that we pray, amen and amen. It's an interesting passage And I guess over the years I have heard it used in a lot of different ways. 
I've heard the passage used as an excuse because of people not believing what God can do, because of the lack of faith. They try to use it as an excuse. But on the other hand, to the other extreme, I've seen many that would just try to ignore it altogether, that believes that there is no time nor any reason that we should have any kind of infirmities in this life. Well, I want us just to look at this passage this evening, and as we look there, I want us to think about the simple thought of traversing the thorns. You know, there's thorns in this life. I don't know what you think about when you think of thorns. Most of the time, if we have had any dealings with thorns, they've left a few memories along the way. Um, you know, like I, I can remember right back when, when I was in like year five of school. I mean, I was just a youngster, probably 10 years old or something like that. And I sure do remember flying down that road on my bicycle. And when the road curved, I went straight. And the thing that caught me at the bottom of that hill was a patch of thorns. <laughs> Let me tell you, I remember because it did not feel nice at all. I can remember so many times, you know, just in, in little things, you know, it might be picking a flower, picking a rose, and getting that prick of that thorn in the finger. So many times doing the gardening and, 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 and trying to get out the weeds and separate the good from the bad and uh, sometimes just getting a hold of a thorn in the process and it's sticking. Well, this is what the Bible uses here to describe the Apostle Paul speaks of his thorn that he has in the flesh there in verse, verse 7. Now, the word that's translated thorn there literally would be like a stake. It's, talk, it's not even just talking about a little thorn, and a little thorn can be painful, but it's the word that would be talking about a big thorn, a stake in the flesh, something that was harmful. Well, as we go through life and as we look at this passage in its whole and what it's saying here, I believe the Bible is teaching us very clearly that we're going to go through some difficulties, some painful times, some infirmities the Bible speaks about here, reproaches, persecutions, distresses. There's going to be some challenging times that are not going to feel comfortable. They're going to inflict pain within our lives. But somehow the Apostle Paul, in sharing these things with the church at Corinth, he talks about being able to rejoice in those things, to find pleasure in those things. So we know if we're going to live in this world and if we're going to travel through this world, then we're going to travel or traverse, if you would, through some thorns along the way. How can we approach them and feel about those thorns as the Apostle Paul does here in writing to the church at Corinth? Well, I believe that we see something, first of all, there in verse 1 that is very important in that. And that's simply what I've, I've just simply called the underlying theme of his life. You know, what's, what's the theme? What 
is our life all about? He says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. The first thing we see about this man, and if we read about him so many times, Paul's theme was that it was never expedient for him to glory. Everything that he does is for the glory of the Lord. And of course, we find here, and if we read the passages leading up to it and the passages after, we find that this was an apostle. This was one that God was using to reveal his word to. Matter of fact, he's accounting a time here, and it's interesting that he speaks of it even in the third person. I knew a man. But we know as he goes through that he's talking about himself. The Apostle Paul is trying to be very careful that even though he is in a very special place that God is using in a special way as one of his apostles, as we have been seeing in our series on contending for the faith, one of those that is the very foundation of the church that you and I are still part of here today. Paul talks about a, a revelation that, that the Lord has, Lord has shown him. And he says, he says you, you know, he said, I, I really don't know. I, I really can't tell if this was something that I experienced in my flesh and blood body or if it was an out-of-body experience. He says, the Lord has shown me something that is so magnificent. He took me into the third heavens. He let me see something that, that man does not normally see. And he said it was so wonderful what he showed me there that there are no words to describe it. <laughs> it's unspeakable, he says, what God has shown me. It's not lawful for a man to utter. And, of course, we've talked about this before. We try to the best of our ability, to describe things that are out of this world. We try to describe things like heaven. We try to think about what a glorified body would be like without any sin whatsoever, without that curse being upon it. And yet everything that we know and everything that we have seen and everything that we touch, everything around us has been contaminated by sin. And so, therefore, we've never seen or experienced anything. And that's what he's saying here. You know, he said, he said I, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you what that was like. You see, if you would, I believe what the, the Apostle Paul is saying here is, folks, if anybody has got room to brag, I do. If there's, any, if there's anybody here, that's got a reason to, to boast and brag in himself. Look what God did for me. Look what God allowed me that is just that is beyond man that I, I can't even tell you now because it was so far out of this world what God did. And yet, it's not expedient for me to glory in myself. You know, do I deserve something special? Do I deserve something because of who I am? Do I deserve something in my life because of the life that I've lived? And, of course, as we look at other things in this man's life, you know, we find that in other places, you know, he could have boasted in his education. He could have boasted in his position. He could have boasted in the power that he had. This was a man. This was a man that had great power. He had great position. He had sat at the feet of some of the greatest teachers of his day. 
And he said, I can't glory in me. You see, I honestly believe that if we're going to traverse, if we're going to travel, if we're going to navigate the thorns of this life, that it's going to begin, first of all, and we see really where it's starting and where it's finishing, we don't do it, we don't avoid things in life because of what we deserve, because of who we are, because of what we might be able to brag on ourselves. He wants his life above everything else to glorify the Lord. Folks, that's easy for us to say in our Christian lives. It's easy for us to talk about wanting to glorify the Lord, but I'm saying in our life, is that the theme of our lives? That it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if anybody ever knows who I am or who you are. It doesn't matter if they ever know that you were responsible for this taking place or I was responsible for that taking place. What's really important is that they know Jesus Christ that they see Christ in our lives. He's the one that deserves all the glory. Doesn't matter what great things, I mean, that God may be doing from us, even in ministry. I believe that no ministry is for man to judge anyway. I believe that one of the first lessons that I had to learn as a young preacher was that God didn't call me to be any other preacher. He didn't call me to be like any other preacher. Oh, I can learn from many of them, but I'm not to emulate them. I'm not to copy them. I'm to emulate Jesus Christ himself. He called me. He called you. And I don't believe that ministries should be measured in man's eyes when they're all for him. Brother Steve, the greatest thing in our lives, I believe that if we're going to traverse and travel or navigate in whatever words you want to use there, the thorns in this life, that we're going to have to begin with the right attitude, first of all. It's not my life that matters. <laughs> you see, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, it's awful easy in the flesh that when something comes along that's uncomfortable, that's not it easy for us, that maybe even inflicts pain. We'll talk about this thorn more in a minute, but sometimes if we're not careful, the natural fleshly idea is going to be, why me? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, to live a good Christian life. I'm trying to do what's right. We've looked at every other things in God's Word, and we can look around, and, and we can see these people out here that that maybe they aren't even attempting to live for God. They're living so ungodly lives. We can look and we can say they're not even trying to serve God, and yet they seem to be having it easier than me. Why me? Why do I deserve this? You see, it begins, I believe, as we navigate the thorns in this life. It needs to begin with the theme of our life. What is the theme? Is it about me and what I deserve and what I don't deserve and what feels good to me and what's come for me? Or is it all about him? And I believe that's, that's what the Apostle Paul is trying so hard to point out to this church and that under inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God has preserved for you and I for today, the theme of our life needs to be his glory. You know, whatever God can use my life 
to glorify himself, that people can see what he is doing. Secondly, I want you to notice here that not only do we see this underlying theme of his life of not glorying in himself, but in the Lord, but this unquestionable testimony of his heart. That's what we just talked about there. He knew this man in Christ about 14 years ago. We don't know, and I believe that's intentional. We can go back. We can read through quite a few of the different visions and revelations that the Apostle Paul had back in the book of Acts. He doesn't tell us specifically when this took place, but he says that it was an experience when he was called into the third heaven that he heard unspeakable words. What he saw was unlawful to speak about. You see, how does that aspire to you and I today? God's not going to use you and I to give new revelation of Scripture. We have the full canon of Scripture. We have God's Word. So he's not going to use us in the same way. So how can that apply to you and I today? I believe this, folks. I believe that also not only, not only must the theme of our life be the Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Steve, we ought to have an unquestionable testimony of the heart. Your experience, my experience, the Apostle Paul's experience is not the same. But if you're a child of God today, oh, you remember meeting him. You don't become a Christian by accident. So many times, and I don't mean to be overcritical here, I love to hear people's testimonies, but so many times... So many times people are dreaming in what God did 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 40 years ago. And, you know, there's some things I can still look back. I can still remember my experience, Brother Steve, when as an 11-year-old young man, when I went forward, when that altar call was given, when I genuinely prayed out and wanted my sins forgiven, and knew that the only way they would be forgiven was because of what Jesus Christ had done for me when he shed his blood, when he paid for my sins. That was real. That was my testimony. And I should never, ever, ever forget that. But folks, that was the beginning of what God began in my life. And it was the beginning in your life. You need to know. You need to know. I don't, I don't think that everybody, you know, I can't tell you the date on the calendar. I can tell you the month that it was in. I can remember that night definitely. I didn't write down the date. But boy, I remember what took place. I remember exactly where I was at. <laughs> I remember the preacher that was preaching. I remember many things. It was real. But you see, it wasn't the experience that saved me. I remember meeting him that night on my knees. Too many people... They're basing their Christian life on somebody else's experiences, on somebody else's testimony on what has happened in others' lives. I'm saying, first of all, you better have a real testimony in your heart. 
The Apostle Paul knew it had been 14 years, but he remembered explicitly what took place between him and the Lord in that experience. I'm saying you need to know. And if you don't, you need to start over right now. I'm not talking about, you know, when you became religious, when you decided that you were going to be a better person. I'm talking about when you recognized that you were a sinner and that Jesus Christ was your only way. And I don't care where it was at, whether it was in a church. I mean, I, you know, some of them could bring some pretty big smiles to your face when I tell you where some people were when they got saved. <laughs> some of them, they might have heard the sermon at church and then they got home. And God was still talking. The Holy Spirit was still dealing. Truth is, you need to know. You need to have an unquestionable testimony, first of all, of when you became a child of God and since. What have you and God been doing together? What's God been doing with your life? You know, something is wrong. If you got saved 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and God's not done anything in your life since then. God doesn't leave you here for no reason. And I'm saying a testimony. There are some things that you should never forget. But that not, not to be all that you remember is what happened 30 years ago. What's God doing in your life now? Are you meeting with God? I'm not, I've already said. I'm not concerned about how your ministry, whatever God has to do with your life, how it compares with anybody else's. But you need to have an unquestionable testimony. You need to know that you've met with God and that you continue to meet with God and that he's a part of your life. And that's where the Apostle Paul was here. You see, the underlying theme of his life was God's glory, not his own. The unquestionable testimony of his heart was what God had done to him. In this case, man, he couldn't even describe it. And you know, God may not have given you the same thing, but I can tell you this. The Lord sure done some things in my life for me that, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you describe to somebody? Most of them just think you kind of lost your lid when you start trying to explain to them what God did to you when he saved you, let alone when you begin to talk about these other things that he's done in your life. Folks, there are going to be some thorns in life. But let's begin in the right way. You can't change where you've been, but right now, you're going to travel through this life to the point that the Lord takes you out of here. The underlying theme of your life needs to be that he's glorified with your life, not you. There needs to be an unquestionable testimony in your life of your meeting with him and what he's doing with and in and through your life, not you yourself are doing with it. You see, when we, keep, when we have those two things there, then I want you to notice the third thing that we see here. I want to move quickly. First of all, we see the underlying theme of his life. Second, we see the unquestionable testimony of his heart. But then he shows us something here in verse 7, this unrelenting thorn in the flesh. He had a thorn. Paul makes it very clear. Notice here in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. In other words, 
Paul said, so that I didn't, my head didn't get bigger than it ought to be. That I didn't start getting myself all exalted and puffed up because of these revelations that God gave me. God showed me something special. He showed me something that's so grand that I can't even explain it. I can't even talk about it. He showed me something that normal people, even Christians, don't get to see. He said, unless I get exalted above measure, unless I begin to, to think somehow that I'm something special, that God's done this because of who I am, he said, God gave me a thorn. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Something, a stake in the flesh, something that was painful. Now, you see, I'm not going to tell you this evening, and I've heard all kinds of things about what the thorn in the flesh was. Some think that it was a physical thorn. Some think that it was maybe his blindness, his eyesight. We know that the Apostle Paul was losing his eyesight. The older he got, his letters got bigger and bigger as he wrote them, and he had to have other people even write for him. We know that his eyesight was going. Was that the thorn he was talking about? The Bible doesn't tell us that, so I'm not going to tell you it is. Some think that even rather than a physical thorn, that it was a spiritual thorn. That particularly when you read leading up to this chapter and after, that one of the greatest things that was hurting him at this time was all the false teaching that was going on and the false prophets that were being accepted. And so they think his, door, his, his thorn might have been this, this demonic pressure where he was getting influence into the church and whatnot, and that was like a stake in his heart. And he prayed for God to remove it. And yet it was still there. You see, I think there's good reason why that this thorn in the flesh is not described to us because, folks, thorns can come from all different ways. And the simple fact is, whether it was physical, whether it was spiritual, it doesn't make any difference. The important thing was is that there was something painful and bad in his life that was there. But he knew that God had left it there for a reason. He says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. This is interesting. He knows in his own life that there was a danger of this pride. So this thorn has been given to him. Now, there's no question if he's talking about it coming as a messenger of Satan to buffet him, there's no question that it was meant for harm from the devil. There's no question that it was something that even though it's described as coming by a messenger of Satan, literally an angel of Satan, we know from many things that we've looked at that it was allowed by God. Satan can only go as far as God allows him to go. So, Satan may have been the one inflicting this, and he meant it for harm, but I can promise you this, what we need to realize and understand, we know that is based doctrinally sound in God's Word is that if God allows it, it is for our good. The Bible does not hold back any punches when it says all things, A-double-L, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. God would not allow it if something good couldn't come out of it for you. The word that is translated buffet here 
It literally means to, 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 to strike with clenched fist this messenger of Satan to buffet me, to come along and literally to pounce on me, to, to beat me, the Bible says. We find that it was something that was painful. It was a real battle for him. Then he finishes where he started, lest I should be exalted above measure. You see, we don't know what the thorn was. And I don't know what your thorn may be today. But there are going to be some thorns. And the thing that we've got to recognize is this, folks. First of all, if we're living our life for his glory, if we've got pride out of the way, then we're not playing this game, this battle about me not deserving it. You know, if I'm really honest with you this evening, I don't go around praying for bad things in my life. Um, I can't say, you know, that I hope I have a terrible day tomorrow. <laughs> but I recognize this, that if my life is truly for his glory, for how he can get the most glory out of it, and I've got a genuine living testimony in my heart that I know that I belong to him, and he's the one that's working in my life, that's doing in my life, that's making me what he wants me to be, there are going to be some thorns. Those thorns may come from Satan himself. Most of them won't. <laughs> Not that important to him. But they may be ultimately from him, from sin, from this world. The thing is, is God still in control? He's still on the throne if you belong to him. He's Lord of your life. He is in charge. He is in control. So we need to recognize, you know, that if God is allowing this, it can be for all kinds of reasons. Is it necessarily because that you're a horrible sinner? No, you are a horrible sinner, just like I am. <laughs> Saved by the grace of God. The thing is, it's not always because you're doing something bad. It can be because you're being disobedient. Matter of fact, the Bible says that, you know, if he doesn't chasten you, if you won't correct yourself, and he has to come along, he will chasten you if you belong to him, that if he doesn't, then you don't belong to him anyway. It could be that you need correcting in some area. It could be that God needs to strengthen you in some area. It could be that God is wanting to get glory out of you because somebody else is needing to see what God is doing through your life and how God is sustaining you through the challenge, through the difficulty. That your walk with the Lord is not based upon just everything being perfect and rosy. They can see the testimony. How do you react when things aren't so rosy? What of Christ do they see in your life when everything's gone wrong? First of all, I hope you pass that stage because you're going to struggle if it's all there. I don't deserve this. No, it, it amazes me that God blesses me as much as he does. The truth is, is that if we're past that, if our life is for his glory and our testimony is him working in our lives and we know that we belong to him, there's going to be some thorns 
Paul said, man, I, I prayed for this thing. I prayed three times. But God didn't remove it. But I know why. I know why. I know that God's got to keep me humble. That, In his case, that's why that particular thorn was in his life, simply to keep him from becoming too prideful, too exalted, too much of a big head, thinking he was too much. I want you to notice one final thing here, though. He tells us in verse 9, and he said unto me, he didn't remove the thorn, but he did tell me something. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, he found the answer. He found that it's, God said, my grace is sufficient. You see, sometimes if we can just handle all the things ourselves and do it all ourselves and just get rid of them, then not only might we get the big head, but what we find here is that our life may never, ever, ever be able to be a witness of somebody else. It's when we can't do it, and God can. In our weakness that his strength shows through, and therefore people see strength that is on account of him and not yourself. We sang that song earlier, that old hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. You know, folks, that's where we've got to lean this evening is upon him. He tells us that, you know, any time that these things come, that he's not going to give us more than we can handle, that we can bear, that there's always going to be a means of escape. He tells us that if he allows it in our lives, it is for our good. He tells us that his grace is sufficient he tells us that the victory is already ours. We know. We know that one day that ultimate victory is coming, and these old bodies will be done away with, and we'll have that glorified body. And, you know, we've talked about that so many times. What I want you to see here is I know you're going to have some thorns in life. If you're going to get out, unless you're just going to sit by on sidelines and never do anything, you're going to get out there, and if you're going to work for the Lord, you're going to get your hands into some thorns sometimes. You're going to get stuck. Some things are going to hurt. Some things are going to be difficult. What's the underlying theme of your life? Is it that you don't have any discomforts? Or is it that he might be glorified in whatever is needed? Do you have an unquestionable testimony as the Apostle Paul did? you know when you met the Lord that he's part of your life. And folks, if he is there, if he's working in your life, if he's the one, maybe he's allowing this in your life for all kinds of reasons. There's going to be some thorns, and sometimes they're going to be unrelenting like his. I pray that God, God don't want to take it away. God wants me to keep this, and he wants to give me the grace, the strength to be able to endure it. Because number one of what it's doing for me is keeping me in check, keeping me from being too prideful. God can have all kinds of reasons. The thing is, do you trust him 
because there is, finally and fourthly, undeniable triumph through our Lord. Undeniable triumph through our Lord. We don't have to worry about losing, Brother Steve. We don't have to worry about that. That, that first hymn that we sang this evening, Victory in Jesus, do we believe that? Do we honestly believe it? I'm telling you, as Christians, too many times, too many times we let the world and the circumstances of the world and the things around us dictate to us our situation, what we're going through, how we're facing it. We've got him. We've got his word. We've got his promises. I can't tell you why you may be going through something painful right now. But I'm telling you this. If the underlying theme of your life is that God is glorified in everything you do and everything you are and everything about you, if you have an unquestionable testimony in your heart that you belong to him, that he's the one that is, that is working in your life, that is making you what you ought to be, you know that he's there. And even when those unrelenting thorns come along, you prayed, and they just don't go away, then let me remind you, the triumph is yours. There's no doubt about it. It's undeniable. Nobody can take that away from you in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in traversing the thorns of life, one songwriter put it this way. He said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's true this evening. That's true this evening. Father, we thank you so much this evening that, Lord, we know that sometimes there are uncomfortable times and things that we go through, and there are thorns in this flesh, some physical, some spiritual. Lord, we trust and pray that from your word this evening, Lord, because you know, you knew exactly who would be here. You know what each one is facing. Lord, last week we talked about being delivered from those valleys of despair that so many times that people can sink into. Lord, even when we're not going through those valleys, sometimes we'll experience some thorns, some uncomfortable times, some pricks and pains and things along the way. I pray. I pray that we can come through with the same confidence that the Apostle Paul had, that your grace is sufficient. Lord, that you're made strong in our weakness. I pray this evening, Lord, that you would help us to have the right attitudes that truly the theme of our life is your glory, not our own. Lord, that we have an unquestionable testimony that, Father, we know that we belong to you. We know that you are in control of our lives. 